0: You gotta have
1: a podcast. You gotta have a podcast. You gotta have a podcast. You gotta
0: have
1: a podcast. You
0: gotta have a podcast. You 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 gotta have a podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to You Gotta Have a Podcast. I'm Angela Palladino, and this is the very first episode of the podcast that everyone told me I just had to have. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I've been told for years by managers, agents, gatekeepers, whoever, that if I want to be a comedian, i got to have a podcast. But I disagree. I was really resistant to this idea for so long, you know, because I just didn't feel like I had a need to have a podcast. I I didn't at the time have anything that I wanted to say or talk about. And, And I was kind of, you know, really put off by the idea that you have to do something. You know, is there really any set path for any of us to be what we want to be? I just don't believe so. And it made me so goddamn frustrated for so long that I kept being told that there was this one way to do things. It's like, who decided? So I started talking to fellow creatives about all the things that people told them that they just absolutely had to do. And the conversations were hilarious and frustrating and these like deep dives into what we do and why we do it. And so... Now it's a damn podcast. (laughs) Episodes will consist of conversations between friends and fellow creatives, comedians, writers, musicians, filmmakers, you name it, about the so-called rules of the game and if they matter or don't. And why we feel compelled to either follow them, sometimes to a fault, or break them and do things differently. Today, for the very first episode, we go deep about the importance of maintaining your personal tenants in the craziness of the entertainment industry in a conversation with my dear friend and frequent collaborator, Tracy Soren. Tracy is one of the best goddamn people I know. She is a comedian, writer, actor, and podcast queen as senior producer and head of New York operations at the Forever Dog Comedy Podcast Network. And her and I had a great conversation about keeping a moral compass, maintaining boundaries, and most importantly, being fucking kind to people. Like, acting like a human in this crazy world. I loved this conversation, and I think that you will too. Here's my conversation with Tracy Soren.
0: But I haven't, yeah, to not perform, I, 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 it's so... For a while, I was just like, okay, I don't really, you know, we talked about it. I don't really, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm fine not performing. And, yeah. But now I'm kind of like, no, I kind of misperform. I don't know. I'm like starting to get there. I guess. Yeah, I feel you. I am the
1: same way. Really, just about stand up. I think like I like yeah. I've kind of gotten the sketch bug out of me. Like I see other people making sketch videos right now, and I'm like, I have no desire to do that. No, like, thank I you. Be performing. Uh, no, thank you. But like I miss, yeah. I miss stand up. I miss being in front of people and just being able to talk.
0: I think the energy of the room is fully what I miss. I think that energy and that connection in whatever way and creating those spaces, I think Walt did a good job, at least, you know, from our perspective. (laughs) I mean- I'm not in the audience. I don't know. But I think <laughs> from our perspective, uh, we do a good job about creating a good space. Yeah. And I think that like with, with the mic and all the stuff, the open mic I host, all that stuff that you've co-hosted a few times, like it just was like making those spaces for people is really what I miss. And it it's, yeah, it's energy. It's like, well, yeah. where are we getting energy from? Nowhere, nothing, no it's one. It's only getting only. sucked out of us. We're only giving yeah, that's it away. It.
1: That's all we're doing. That's
0: it. And then we have to somehow figure out how to replenish. And here we are. I haven't it's figured shocking. it out yet. Like, I know. I'm like, it's really shocking. Yeah. Ugh. It's,
1: Ugh. it's, it's just so fucking crazy. But also this year has been like really interesting. I feel like because I've just been doing so many different things than I have ever done before.
0: I don't know. I mean, that's good. That's good. I've been feeling a little, you know, I work and I feel a little, uh, it's hard to maintain, you know, the hours are weird and and sometimes shift. And I think I've wanted to do something creative, but I I just don't know. And then I just end up not having the energy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'll get there, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'll do something. But I have bursts is what like I had like a couple weeks in August where I was like writing a lot. And then that like stopped. <laughs> and then,
0: yeah, and then you're like, okay, I did. It. Yeah. Right, no, yeah. it's over. Okay, we did
1: it. We're we're, we're done. done. Um, it's just so. Also, like, who gives a fuck anymore? Is kind of how I feel. Like,
0: no, truly, nothing
1: matters. Everything is weird. Mm. <laughs> it's just fucking bananas. It's banana, <laughs> and I banana. I just feel <laughs> like like this year has taken like so much of the energy. That you would like, I would normally spend thinking about my career or like comparing myself to other people Mm -hmm. or all that stuff. This year has just taken all of that energy (laughs) on other shit. So I'm like, I don't have the, I just don't have the fucking force within me to like give a shit about what anyone thinks about what I'm doing with as far as comedy or writing or
0: production or whatever. Uh, fully. I mean, fully. I mean, I, I've said, I, I think I've, you know this. I, I deactivated Twitter. Mm-hmm. I just got to a place where I was like, I, I, I don't need, I don't want it. <laughs> like, I was like, everyone is, well, here's the thing. And this could go back to our topic or not. I mean, you know, we watch the social dilemma yep. and, on Netflix. So you get a little freaked. Yep. I got a lot of freaked. <laughs> but also I think that, you know, I'm trying to understand how much I want to continue. You know, as somebody who put themselves out there a lot when they first started yeah. to to sort of a burnt out capacity, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like there are two. There are so many opinions. There are too many opinions. Yep. Like, here's the thing i I think that that the internet and being able to create all this content yourself is is a positive, more of a positive than a negative, mm-hmm. because it breaks down. It, it sort of gets rid of. It, it allows you to push past the gatekeepers which i think is good i think yeah. there's a lot of people and communities that have been pushed aside and so that is a much bigger and much more important thing mm-hmm. but i also think like now there's like everyone's doing content everyone's doing tiktok it's not just the comedians or the you know yeah. artists or whatever i mean maybe they are artists i don't know but it's like The you know your grandma has a TikTok and I'm like I can't with it's too much content. (laughs) (laughs) I know my brain can't take it. (laughs) I it it it, I have I
1: used to post so much like on Twitter and Instagram and like I would make little sketch videos and I would do like my my uh, like web series and stuff like and this year I've truly been like no one wants to hear from me. Also I have nothing original to say like I do nothing. But I was just like I who like this is not going to do it and also like i feel like i really like this year like at the beginning of the year we were really kicking off with Walt was going really well <laughs> and yeah. everything and i was like really thinking about um like all of the time that i wasted doing like trying to do the UCB path that like mm-hmm. just wasn't a right fit for me and i just couldn't yeah understand why it wasn't working i I wouldn't understand like i just didn't accept that it wasn't the right fit but then like when i really started you know getting into stand-up i was like oh this seems like a much more natural fit and it felt like a lot better and then this year when live sketch was taken away from me i was like i oh yeah like Me doing other things, like, going back to my roots of, like, I started as a writer and, like, writing a lot more. I know, yeah. is like, more natural. It just, like, it's kind of, like, forced me to be, like, oh, I was trying to fucking stuff myself into a... Stuff an Angela-sized person into a not Angela-sized hole.
0: Without a doubt. I mean, I think UCB has that quality. It's very interesting to me because I remember UCB, I started in 2010 with Sketch mm-hmm. and I like did not make friends because I lived with my parents and I would have to take the, the Long Island Railroad home. There's no subway yeah. to the where I lived in Queens <laughs> unless you take the subway to the bus and so all this stuff. And I, you know, I had a boyfriend and same person who i'm dating still with now <laughs> but he we he wasn't from comedy you know we were temps together uh-huh. and i i just couldn't really make friends for a long time mm-hmm. uh because i was in i started with sketch which i feel like yeah Oy, everyone's like here we'd my thing yeah like they're all like awkward <laughs> and uncomfortable no one is everyone's and afraid to talk everyone's afraid to talk i just like uh, wasn't able to do the hang thing i i was working in higher ed i mm-hmm. like couldn't do all of it. And I think also I was a spoken word poet for years before that. <laughs> one of my favorite facts I, about you. <laughs> one of my favorite facts. I did it for for like six or seven years uh, in college and then in like the adult competitions. Mm-hmm. And um and I left. Yeah. And I was like. No one cared. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Yeah. And everything in that world mattered. And I cared so much. And then I left. Yeah. And nobody gave a shit. And so when I went into UCB, I was kind of like, I knew, I knew early on. I had a gut feeling. I was like, I'm never making not making one of these teams. Not doing it. I I just knew it. I was like, it's not gonna happen for me. And I don't think I can care about it. Yeah. Because I knew it was not going to happen. Mm I just felt it. I, first of all, with sketch, I thought I was, I, I have much more of a writing. I like, you know, writing a lot. Yeah. That's where I came from as a spoken word poet. And so I just, but I was like, I'm not doing 2 a.m. text. I'm <laughs> not doing it. You can't make me. I'm not doing it. I knew I would never make it. Yeah. I was like, I will not, you will, I will not pay to stay in this theater at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, I live off the Long Island Railroad. <laughs> I am not. Taking a 3 a.m. train. Yeah. It's not happening. I was like, I'm going to work in the morning. Like, I, ha- I had a day job. Yeah. Like, I had a job. I was like, I worked in – for SUNY for the State University of New York. I was like, I'm not – I have to go to work. Yeah. I can't be up till three. Like, and I, I mean, God bless everyone who did, but my body was not made yeah. for that. So I, I cut sketch. I, I was like done with sketch. I was like, there's no fucking way. Mm-hmm. And then. Or like live, yeah, live sketch at UCB.
1: But you still did a video sketch and all that stuff later. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah no, yeah, I did.
0: Yeah. Well, so so that's the thing. So I I started to do a ton of video sketch because I met someone and we started to do a lot of stuff as a duo. Mm-hmm. And I we just and that's when broad city uh like did really well with um you know selling mm-hmm. them, themselves and their show and yeah and um and we were like well if they can do it yeah why can't we do that yep. and it seemed more attainable even though we didn't know at all what we were doing we made so many mistakes mm-hmm. i mean we just had no clue. We didn't know how to run a set. I mean, we didn't know what we were, but we knew we wanted to try to do it the most professionally as possible. Yeah. Um, and we tried, and of course people helped us, but we would try, we wanted to try, try to make it look good and sound good and all of yeah. that. And so we did a ton and we just threw ourselves in that. And we did a web series to start. Then we started doing sketch videos. Then we did a second season of our web series Mm -hmm. and ran ran, ran a successful crowdfunding campaign on Seed and Spark. That was brand Mm -hmm. new. And we just sort of started to do all of that. But there were so many things looking back. Like it's hard when you're having this gatekeeper conversation, even now, you know, years later. Yeah. I'm like, well, I sort of I did play the game. I did play that game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say I didn't play it. I don't play it. Like I'm here because I played that game. Yeah. And I can't. So I'm coming at it with that angle. Yeah. I I absolutely played the video sketch game of 2016 and 2015. So did I. With every fucking company that you could have. <laughs> yeah. That you could think of. Every female millennial company. <laughs> um, any pitch that could have been pitched. Uh, but that's the thing about the gatekeepers too. That. We used to get requests cause we had a, we had a, um, an agent at the time that was an unscripted agent and we'd get requests either from our, a lot, we did a ton of our own reach out or through him and they would be like, we want pitches like this. Mm-hmm. And then we're spending hours and hours pitching nonsense. I mean, I think truly like <sighs> internet crap. Yeah regurgitated over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I was like getting to a point where I was like, this is so soul sucking and stupid. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, no shade on making money. Like I had to do it. But at the same time, I was like, this isn't for me. Yeah. I cannot be a content farm. I was a content farm. I made over, I think it was 160 videos. Yeah. We made over in that duo. I think it was 160. I counted. I counted. Just over 160. Just in
1: that, like, that's just Just in the duo. duo. That's fucking insane. In the course of what, like three years? Two years, three years?
0: No, so it's 2012. We did, well, yeah. So it really, 2012 is when we did the first web series, but we really didn't do the second one to really start making a ton of videos. So 2014 or 2000. Mm-hmm. So it was like from 2012 to 2017.
1: Five years though, Five 160 years. videos. That's that's a lot.
0: That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. That's why I think I'm done. I yeah. was like, I'm done, I'm done. And then I made videos with other people. Like it wasn't right. like I was. Right, right, right. But just in that, I was like, I can't, I can't be a, I cannot, I'm not the type to be a content Yeah. Fund. I cannot do it. It's
1: the same sort of feeling I had when I was busting my ass for years and years, like fucking four years trying to get a commercial agent. And I'm, I was like, but I don't even want to be a fucking commercial actor. Why am I doing this? Be- and I was I like, know. because everyone t- says know. that that's what you have to do. And I paid all this money and did all the classes and I I got something out of the classes. Sure. But like. It wasn't even what I wanted to be doing. So why was I spending
0: so much energy? You know what I mean? I know. I think this, the interesting is thing is like when I look back on that, there were definitely times and videos and things we did that I'm so proud mm-hmm. of, and there's things that I'm quite frankly I'm like throw them out, yeah, burn like, it with fire, throw them, burn it the fuck down. I don't want to ever. I don't no. But I think that, like, here's the thing I'm saying, like, oh, I don't want to be a content farm, but I was a content right. farm. That's why I'm saying Like, but you I learned that you didn't like was it. A content farm. Like I straight up. <laughs> Mo bitch. I learned I didn't like it. I think I learned fully I didn't like it. I, I learned once, once, you know, we we decided that's why I learned I was like, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. We started doing solo stuff, and I was like, I'm fine to not be in front of the camera when. It's not something I really want to be, or money. Like straight up we need money. So yeah. Like, or or if it's for money. Like commercials are great money. Yes. So but there's times when when it, it, like it is one of those things. So it's like I, I got a lot of I got a lot from doing that though. Yeah. I got a lot from being a content farm, but I killed myself in the process. Yeah. I was a nub. Of a person, (laughs) a nublet, and I had to undo all of that. Yeah, I was a nublet. I was a nobody. I felt I didn't. I didn't know my voice. Uh People said that I had. I couldn't tell you what I couldn't tell you what my fucking voice was. I couldn't tell you who I was. (laughs) I couldn't tell you what I was doing. I couldn't. I was a melted nothing misery. Yeah, I mean, I trying to keep up with what everyone what what it was. I will tell you from the outside looking in, like I knew who
1: you were, especially like around twenty. 14, 15, 16, when I got to New York in 2014, I started making sketch videos and I, knew, I saw what you guys were doing and I knew what you were doing. And literally, like, I was also working in a duo then and we were like, that, do that. Like, and the thing is, little did yeah. we know, you guys had no idea what you were fucking doing either. So it's like, truly so, it's yeah. so weird and cyclical. And like, I think like for me, like I look, I don't regret A lot of the things in full, but I just regret that I didn't learn the lesson sooner. Like, for example, with the UCB thing, (sighs) Mm. before I spent, you know, upwards of five grand in a few years of my life trying to knock down a door that wasn't a good fit for me, I wish I had realized it a little bit sooner because I definitely got good stuff out of being there, meeting people, creating some fun things. But like, I just wish that I had like done my own path a little bit sooner rather than like literally just making myself feel bad for a couple of years or the same thing with like
0: the commercial stuff too. Yeah. I think that that's the one thing that I think that, um, is hard. Mm-hmm. I think at UCB, even if you feel pretty like assured, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a place that made you feel just not cool yeah just not fucking cool like even if you even if like the other things were like you're cool yeah even if you felt cool it just sort of didn't make you feel cool and I think that's why in those years we did decide we're going to do this ourselves Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what we're doing then we learned and there's still things in the process that I would have maybe changed but I think that we did we did learn so much of that cuz we said we're not going to wait. Mm-hmm. But then we just met another gatekeeper, right? Yeah. And then it just became, well, it's we're pitching to this man who doesn't get us or now 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 luckily we've moved along mm-hmm. and now we have an uh, unscripted production companies who are interested and that's something that again, I don't really have the desire unless it's a project I really love Mm -hmm. to be in front of camera for unscripted Yeah, uh, unless I really love to host and I'm really enjoying it. And it's something I really like, Yeah. but there were some projects that came on, we tried it. And then, you know, we pitched something once uh, and we shot a sizzle for it. I don't even know. And (laughs) I remember there was a a production company and and they said, okay, well, why don't we, it it was about sex toys. I thought it it was like a bit with sex toys that they, that they love, that they thought was funny and they Mm -hmm. loved. And they did something like, it was so offensive. They were they wanted us to talk about dildos with our our, our moms, but it was like they had very offensive jokes in mm-hmm. it and I was like, "What's the weird thing? This is a bunch of men telling me that it's weird to talk about yeah. dildos with your mom." And by, I was like, yeah. Women masturbate. It's fine. Yeah. Who cares Like that's And so there was another <sighs> gatekeeper, you know? It's like
1: that Where like, it's like
0: awkward. Ooh. Awkward. It's like Ooh. no. And I was like, <laughs> is this the joke? <laughs> is this the joke? Yeah. Right? And it was like there were things that just happened and I I was like this is so I feel so not in control. Mhm. And like I'm just being thrown around and I just was like, no, yeah, I don't. This isn't for me. One thing that I really respect
1: about you, like
0: as a person and as your friend and
1: working with you a bunch, because we work together a lot, is that Mm -hmm. uh, now I think like I really got to know you sort of after that part of your life. Like I knew who you were then, but we didn't really become like tight until later. But now I see like, maybe you learned the lesson then, or you really seem to be someone who like, you know what you need. And like, like, for example, like the whole, like I'm not going to kill myself to be out till three in the morning doing a tech. Like, you know what you need and you don't, and you're just like, that's not for me. Or like, you, you do seem to like, now have a really good sense of like, When it's not going to be like good for yourself as a human person (laughs) and putting your foot down, which is nice and honestly
0: admirable, like (laughs) truly. I mean, I think that the way – this is why this conversation I was thinking about it before I came on is interesting because I think I did – people didn't realize this Mm -hmm. because I wasn't so open about it, but I did push myself. Mm -hmm. I did pass every boundary. In a lot of ways, I had zero boundaries. Yeah in some things and it killed me and I said well never again Mm -hmm. well never again for me that I can't do it like I I always this is what I'll say Nicole Dressbull, who was a teacher at UCB she's a she's a television writer she directed the the first um web series season of the web series and I we I really we had a great talk, uh, when I was working th- things out, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I felt kind of behind after I said, I'm not going to do all this stuff mm-hmm. anymore. And she, she doesn't remember doing this. I told, I told her she did this, but she put <laughs> her hand on my shoulder. We were getting coffee. And she said, you know, for, for, cause she's similar, I guess, in things mm-hmm. like she's aware of what, what of, of, of maybe pushing herself or not. And she said, well, you know, it, for us, it might just take a little bit longer. Yeah. And then I went, oh my God. And that like, for some reason that like hit me. And I was like, I think I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the sort of
1: thing that like, I've really come to terms with this last like couple of years. It's like, I, I was trying to, be the things that I thought I needed to be. I literally had a list in my notebook that was like the things you need to have. And it was like, yeah. you got to have a couple of pilots. You got to have a spec. You got to have a spank that's running. You got to do, mm-hmm. you got to have a 15 minute set for stand-up. to, And then I was just like, wait a minute. I can't be all things to all people. <laughs> I just need to figure out what no. I do best and focus on those things. And then when I started doing that, It was just like a weightlessness that was a lot easier to create and like a lot more fun to just like do the the few things that I liked doing and fuck all the rest. And it was a lot easier to kind of let go of that, to be honest, like when UCB did shut down in New York and even with the pandemic, it was so much easier to be like, oh, what a weight lifted. Like, I don't even have to worry about like what's happening there when I'm not there anymore.
0: You know, I mean, here's the thing. Th- also, I think that was a that was a a downfall of your hero, right? Like, yeah, it, it, a little bit. Not even if you were like "fuck UCB" at that point, which a lot of us were. I think it was just like, well, really, really, all of, you put your trust into this institution, and look what look how they treated everybody. Mm-hmm. Look how it's been going all along. Yeah, and that to me is a sick. Uh, uh, I I loved UCB for all the people that I've met yeah. and all the the connections and, and, and fun times and having a community that had sort of a a shared want or value or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that there was a lot of times where it was just kind of like, like you said, eventually we all, we all have to realize we can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And UCB did make you kind of feel and a lot of the places make you feel like you need to have everything. You need to have everything ready. And again, I know I'm talking about this already in a position right now where I have a job in in the industry. But at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, a year ago, no, I've been working here over a year. Sorry, this year's fucked up my time. Yeah. But Like at the end of 2018, I was temping. Still. Yep. You know, I was still doing jobs that had not that weren't really. Yeah. You know, I I still have cardigans and everything in my closet. Because I know I might have to go back to temping at any time. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I might have to go back into an office. Yeah.
0: So, but at the same time, I'm like, I understand I've sort of broken through a threshold now at 33 that I feel pretty comfortable being like, okay, well, I could probably get an, uh, you know, I could probably figure it out, even though I think right now I'm, I'm pretty secure. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um. So I understand I'm having, again, I'm, I, I, I'm totally understand I'm having the conversation through that lens. Yeah. But there's still gatekeepers at every point. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, I I do feel like, you know, we focus a lot of this conversation on, like, the early days, too, when we were, like, truly killing ourselves to just figure out and do everything there was. But, like, I feel like for me, since about 2018, honestly, right around the time that we started at uh, Airtime Together... That like that beginning of that year, there's been some ups and downs, and there's been points of like when I didn't really have anything um, you know, comedy related for work happening, but it it's been like fairly consistent since then. And that's like when I had that little boost of confidence, just getting that one like airtime gig to kick it off. It mm-hmm. like helped me kind of be like fuck it to a lot of the other shit that like I was like. Once I had that just one boost of confidence, like, oh, I got hired <laughs> to to work on like yeah. an actual comedy show, the Siri fucking network, whatever the fuck airtime is, was, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, But like that, that sort of kicked me off to like now, you know, it hasn't been super consistent. And that is the nature of entertainment. A lot of the times is that there's things that sort of come up and go away. But. It also made me realize, like, it came out of nowhere. I did not see that, like, for example, airtime coming at all. It it yeah. was, like, literally a Facebook message from John Brashad that, like, and then
0: it went away out of nowhere, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think that, for me, airtime was a big turning point mm-hmm. because for years before I was, o- I felt I was only seen as a part of a duo and it really made me feel not seen much. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I felt like people would confuse us. I, I you know, like I would be like, who am I mm-hmm. outside of this thing? And to get hired by myself and be able to walk in and do that job, you know, in that team on my own two legs, I was like, Wow. Mm -hmm. Like holy shit. And I actually still have like it was like a birthday card like on my fridge because it meant so much to me to it was such a turning point in my life after, you know, stopping um going on going my own way Mm -hmm. to have had that job. Yeah. So yeah, getting one job. And then like right after again, like we went back to temping. Like I the night airtime ended, I was (laughs) babysitting, I was watching a dog. Like it wasn't it was great and then it was done. And then that whole summer I was I was writing RF which like for, uh, which I, you know, used to do, um, or I, I used to work in against, uh, higher ed. Mm -hmm. And so I was like getting contracted to do like higher ed work again, like, you know, so it was like, then it was done again. And then we had to do it again. And I think, I think it's about just growing that confidence. I also think it's about understanding like things kind of ebb and flow mm-hmm. like they really really do and it's not personal.
1: Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely the way that like I've I've learned that more and more since you know I've been freelancing since 2013 um and then like freelancing in you know comedy and entertainment and production I started in production only and then got more into like writing and performing on the other side of the camera as well in like 2016 and especially in the last, like since 2018, the ebb and flow thing has like, I've just tried to remind myself of that every time things do get a little dark. It's like, so you just take a gig that you don't like for a couple months and then something exactly. good will come up. Like, or like you try to use your time to work on something that you think like, for example, like when the pandemic hit, I was like, well, we're not going to be producing anything uh, on set for a while. And all I had been doing for the last couple of years was producing video content. And I was like, well, I guess I'll teach myself how to audio edit it. And then I created my VO Reel as an exercise in <laughs> teaching myself how to audio. Mm-hmm. And then fucking out of nowhere, which honestly is the craziest story it, it, that has ever happened to me as far as working in the business, is how my VO agent like randomly calling me because I was producing some other shoot and then – he was like you have a nice phone voice. Do you do VO? And then like a day later I had a VO agent. And I know that isn't exactly insane story and is not like it
0: like gives anyone no, it's really not though for me. <laughs> yeah, Because I always say this about you. You're extremely prepared. You're extremely prepared. You you don't even if you get knocked down, you're like, "Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that." And you I think you are, you know, knowing you for the past 2 years in a more like intense way if you will. <laughs> you you are being you're getting better at paring down like we're talking about you're getting better at being like okay well this is an exercise that actually feels helpful to me like I think I think the thing that turns me off a little bit and this is not to throw shade it's just I can't have this energy anymore because I think I did for a while Mm -hmm. when I was younger um I don't like feeling like I'm making stuff out of desperation it really doesn't make me feel good like I feel like there's an energy where it's like oh, I have to overproduce 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 Uh or I'll be forgotten and I really don't like that energy from me it makes me feel icky I like I don't agree so hard I completely agree and that was why you know it's
1: so funny to talk about this on the on the podcast that is now a result of it but like that was why I was so resistant to having a podcast for so fucking long because I was like I kept having Anytime I would have a meeting with like a manager or an agent or anybody, some sort of gatekeeper, and they'd be like, well, if you want to have this career, you need to have a podcast. And I was just like, it feels desperate to me to do that because I don't even want to have a podcast. So for me to do it would be like uh, – would, would mm-hmm. be kind of just like I'm doing it because that like – I'm just like scrapping to like put out content. But then, you know, here we are. I'm like, well, now I found something that I am actually want to talk about with with people and have some conversations about this because I realized it's such a universal feeling of like, why am I being – like, I just felt like I was being so like disgustingly desperate and like grasping at straws, throwing spaghetti against the wall, trying to make stuff stick and I realized – I, I just felt like way more confident in my, in my material and the things that I was doing when I was just like, these are like the four things that I'm going to do. And then if anything else comes along and presents itself, sure. But I'm not going to like kill myself to put out a sketch a month anymore. Like, fuck that. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean,
0: I think here's so if I could give the podcast shrill, please do bit because,
1: expert. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, so so yeah, so I get asked this question a lot um, as somebody who you know, works in podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say this with love because here's the thing I'm happy to give anybody advice. I really am because I'm like, I have this knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'll share it. I'll spread it. I hope it, I hope it helps. Mm -hmm. Like, but I'm pretty blunt and open because a lot of times it's people I know who's coming to me. And there's a lot of realities. I think in, first of all, the podcasting space is still like a little bit like the wild, wild West. Um, and there's uh, clearly different companies at different levels of things. I'm more, you know, in a smaller company, I'm not at, uh, audible or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that number one, you do not need to have a podcast. In my opinion, here's why you <laughs> should have a podcast. I, this is what I always say to people, because otherwise this is, this is like my little, uh, not catchphrase, but like what I say is a podcast should not be like an improv team's Twitter. You shouldn't have four episodes and then you disappear. And if you go into Doing a podcast because you think you need it—that's it, what's going to happen. You're going to waste hours of your time. Mm-hmm. So you either need to do it. First of all, a podcast shouldn't be the only egg in your basket unless you really love podcasting and it's the only thing and, and you're really into it, right? Mm-hmm. But you cannot go into podcasts, especially now, when in the pandemic, when everyone is sort of making a podcast, yeah. to think, oh. I'm just going to be able to pitch this. I'm just going to be able to do this and like I'm not saying like listen, this is what I always tell people. Pitch. If you want to pitch, pitch. Because every company is going through a different thing at a different time. Mm-hmm. They might like you as talent, they might like you as um something else, like but I'm but it's really like a shot in the dark because there's a lot of things going on at companies that, uh, and they're getting thousands of pitches. So this isn't to say don't pitch. It's to say, have a reason to why you're doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. You're either pitching it to get a network, to get money, or you're pitching it because you like it. And if you like it, know that it's going to be a long haul, know that you're going to probably get a small amount of a very small amount of downloads know that you're doing it because you want to show your voice Mm -hmm. or you want to show your editing skills or you just want to have fun with your friends yeah but go in understanding that because i get a lot of questions where i think people think it's going to be sort of you know uh this not an easy climb but i i don't think people understand like like how many podcasts are out there. I know that sounds crazy because clearly people do, but I'm just kind of like, do not start this. You will be wasting your time. You will be truly wasting your time unless you have a clear reason why you're doing it and understanding that you might not get the response back from it. Yeah. You have to do it for you.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you said that to me and I was, well, I already kind of had that mindset when I was coming into it because I was like, I don't want to fucking do this for anyone else. I know it's like, an impossible hill to climb uh but i was like i do want to do this to like have a sample and just like kind of talk to my friends and it's a nice thing to do when i have a little bit of extra time right now um but it's funny is when you say that like my two favorite podcasts are last podcast on the left and my favorite murder Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and people like One last podcast on the left has been around since 2011. Like they've they've put out like literally almost a thousand episodes. Like it's something it bonkers like that. Uh, And my favorite murder has been only around for like, I think, three years. Um, But and they kind of blew up out of nowhere and got very popular very quickly. But Mm -hmm. it's not out of nowhere in the fact that the two hosts of that podcast were already like. Like Georgia Hardstark had like a food channel or a food network show. Yes. And like Karen Kilgariff was a head writer for Ellen. Like they were known uh, and she's like a standup. Like they were known in a way that like some like I'm not so naive to think. And I I totally agree with you that like most people, even though like I'm a comedian, I perform some people in the comedy community in New York specifically only know who I am. That is not enough to get
0: <laughs> a well, blow up idea is- out of nowhere. I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes I always tell, I never want to just discourage people from doing something they're really excited about. Right. Someone's like, you could be the person. Yeah, You could be my favorite murderer. You could, like, I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying it, it's not going to happen for anybody. But that percentage is extremely small. And sometimes I feel like I'm getting questions, which like, again, happy to answer. I'm not sure. I'm just going to tell you the truth. <laughs> where it feels like, oh, I, I think I need to do this. Yeah. I think this is what I need to do. And I want to be like, oh, honey, no, 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 you do not. Yeah. You do not. Because you're, you're not like, like there are people who love podcasting. Clearly the last podcast on the left guys love podcasting. John Gabris, Lauren Lapkus, they love podcasting. Lauren Lapkus is on fucking every show. Even if, even if she's not the the household name of, of, you know, everybody's mom, Mm -hmm. she's, she's on it. She's on every show. Mm -hmm. I mean, she doesn't necessarily need to be doing podcasting, but she, she loves it. I think that If you have a reason to do it and you have an idea you think would really, you really would like, go for it. But I think people think podcasting is easy. I think they think it's not going to take any effort. I think they think it's just whatever. And it's like... That's not actually the case. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I suppose it it's can a, be
1: the case if you want to make a shitty
0: podcast. Like, yeah, if you want to do a shitty job, yeah. if you, but like the same thing if you want to do a shitty video. Like, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Actually, no, that's not true. Because now videos are 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 somewhat easier to produce because there's all these like TikTok and things that are, and you know, people are doing front facing videos, and they so they're not doing like maybe the camera setups that we used to do yeah. with with sound, and <laughs> which is great. Yeah. But it's not. I think people approach me like it's going to be a one and done deal. Mm -hmm. Like, they're kind of like, oh, I'll just make this podcast. And it's like, no, 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 no. Podcasting, there's a lot that actually goes into it if you want to make a good podcast and you actually want to show somebody what's what's good about Mm -hmm. it. Like, why they should listen to you over the other thousand podcasts and Conan O'Brien. Again, do your podcast if you want to do it. Which is funny because it's like... ah, it, I, I'm not I, now. Am I being a gatekeeper? I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I guess I am. But I, I'm just saying. Like. Don't do it because you think you have to, because then it's just gonna be another podcast that dies after four episodes. Believe well, me. Well, I think you're and being you, the opposite like, that's what kills of me. a
1: gatekeeper is like not the opposite. You're like you, I think you are a gatekeeper in this scenario, especially in the podcast world. But I think like like when I brought this conversation to you and I wanted to talk about this topic, I was talking about like all the people who were maybe in your position as far as like maybe podcasting goes, who would say the opposite just to be like, you know what? Put, put it together and just see what happens and it's like fucking no like i think it's better to be realistic and be like if you really are passionate about it do it but if you're just doing it because someone's telling you that you need to do it then why are like that is no uh, it's just that don't th- don't yeah and that's so don't. applicable with like everything that we that like we've been talking about like Especially when you're young and dumb and full of cum and you just wanted work <laughs> in the industry and you want to make comedy or you want to, want, fucking want to work for a show or whatever – it's like, oh, well, my improv 101 teacher, who's never booked a commercial, told me that
0: I need to pay 700 dollars for Brooklyn and Mary, so I'm gonna do it. It's like, <laughs> why? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I think that like which is funny because like Brooklyn Mary is what I did. I've, d- and I've I done I've done them have too. An agent. And they're yeah, nice. Yeah. Like it's a it's a good class. It works. It helped me
1: it, but for it is some people, and I, it's expensive.
0: And it it's not I, an always guaranteed show. No, no, God, no. I think that I the truth of the matter is, is that we did all of these things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's somewhat inevitable that people are going, you're going to overdo it. Mm -hmm. You're going to burn yourself out. I really do think that. I think that the, the thing is, is that, the thing I get so much more concerned about is that when you start getting really invested and involved and you do start getting things, because if you put in hard work and you are nice and you are somebody people want to be around and you uh, present yourself and uh, in in the communities you need to be mm-hmm. in, things will start happening for you. I don't think it's like, I don't think we're at a deficit. You're going to, you're going to, especially depending on um, who's in charge, right? We understand there's like different um Uh, glass ceilings that people have to deal with Mm -hmm. that is, you know, despicable and you know, it's not all equal. But I think that if you, I think that if you're in those spaces, things will, will come. And I think once they come, it's about how you deal with it because you're going to be keep, you're going to keep being told more and more the things you need to do. And you have to really, I, I personally believe work on yourself Mm -hmm. to Kind of get rid of that noise, and also like the, the internet of it all, the likes of it all, mm-hmm. the numbers of it all. Everything is becoming number based and like based and followers. Mm-hmm. And there's a part to that because companies do have to look at that. Yeah, sometimes and other times not. So many people feel like they need to post. So many feel like people feel like they need to keep up with those. Jones is in that way because this business because when you enter this business especially if you're in front of cam in any way mm-hmm. or on stage in any way you become a brand of yourself yeah and if you cannot separate that brand of yourself and you can't shut off and you can't stop it and you can't have a boundary then the gatekeepers will continue to get to you yeah I mean I
1: I feel like I really realized that like fully like i you know you always i always would be like yeah like you know i don't want to be the person who's like a caricature of themselves but like i don't think i fully realized that until the beginning of this year
0: yeah i think that that so that was actually one thing when i was thinking about this podcast um that When we were, when I was younger, agents would say, or people I met with would say, there was a few things, first of all, that was said to me. One was, first of all, I also understand that as I'm talking about podcasting too, like I am in a gatekeeper position. Yeah, I I don't have the final say, but I definitely am in a gatekeeper position. So I'm trying, and in that position, I do try to keep in mind who actually does pitch to me when that, when I see them, Mm -hmm. when they do come to me, um, I do try to. Value what does come because I know that people put effort into that, mm-hmm. but it's, but it is hard. It's hard, you know, even because so, you're getting so many. Right. And and it, it, it's like, well, we don't have everything. So I I, I do understand that if, for, if whoever's listening that <laughs> at this point, I am technically kind of. <laughs> In some, the way, in some way, the tables have turned. Position. Tracy, look at you. So I do understand that in that world. I oh, I don't want to be like. Well, I I'm coming here saying like gatekeepers, and then it's like, well, you, I sent you my podcast, bitch, and I'm like, well, uh, oopsie, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I I I'm aware of that. Um, listeners should know that Tracy did. is currently twirling her mustache, and yeah, I'm like an evil <laughs> evil genius. Uh, but it sucks. Like that's why that's why I try to give people advice. Like when yeah. people pitch to me, and I know I can't take them, I I t- try to write a thoughtful email back and, or, or acknowledge that I got it rather than it just sort of float in the ether if it comes to me directly. Yeah. But what I was going to say was there was two things that, that were brought up originally when I was younger, which was try to get followers. And I knew immediately it was like, that's not my bag. Mm-hmm. It's not my bag. I can't, I have a limited amount of energy. Um, I'm going to put out content and if the content gets me followers, it gets me followers, but I can't work towards that. And that will be, a, that will be a detriment to yeah. me. So I will have to find another way. I will have to find another way into this industry. Mm -hmm. I will have to, I, I don't, I like producing. Clearly I am a producer. I, if I want to be in front of camera, I want to be on mic. I will figure out a way to do that myself. But I, I can't, if that's what's being asked of in this cultural moment, it's, it's a no for me. Yeah. I did try to do it and I said, it's not, I can't do it. I, I knew right away, even when I was making the videos, even when I was a content farm, I knew I cared if the the videos got views, but I, I just couldn't care if I was getting fucking followers. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this makes me feel bad. I don't like this. And a no. Yeah. Another thing that came up Early on, was I had a meeting with a guy I could not stand. Um, I truly did not like him. I felt bad energy right away. I was like bad, bad energy. Eng. I'm done. I don't like this. But I was at a, a lunch with him, and I was sitting at the table alone. Um, the other people we were at with walked away for the bathroom, and he said something to me like, "You know, you're going to have to tone." And he was a Jewish guy, and he said, "You're going to have to tone down." Essentially, this no. is a paraphrase because years ago, and my memory is bad. You're going to have to tone down the Jewishness. you can't be jewish first (laughs) like it's not essentially it's not digestible and i did not like him and i and it was an older guy and he like worked in the business Uh and i said i'm a jewish person and i'm a jewish comedian and if you're gonna like me you're gonna like me but i'm not fucking changing right i'm not gonna stop talking i know i know i could be heavy-handed on my jewish material and sometimes i'm like oh it's too much but i was like how fucking dare you no fuck
1: that guy Honestly, how fucking yeah. dare
0: you? Like, I'm not going to be the I'm not if I'm not going to be the all American girl. It's done. Like, Ugh. I was once in a commercial audition and I <laughs> ended up getting the commercial because uh, I needed the money. But they were like, straighten your hair because the client is from the, the middle of America, like Midwest or middle yeah, of they America. in New York or whatever. Yeah. They were like, we don't want New York. Mm-mm. We're looking for all American, which means Jew. Yeah. Right or whatever. At least I took it that yes. way. So I had to straighten my hair. I had to come back to the callback with straightened hair. They didn't. I was too New Yorky for anti-Semitic bullshit. I was too right, and so I was just like, all of this for me is a no. Yeah. As like, it I should it. be. Like, I, I, I should say. I should say that because I did straighten my hair and I did get the commercial, but I knew that I was doing it for money. Like I got to pay was, those like, bills. <laughs> I, I had to pay my bills. It was a fucking commercial. Yeah. I had to pay it, but at the same time, I was like. That is a commercial that I'm doing for fucking whatever. Yeah. But, and it wasn't, the content wasn't offensive at all. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, I'm fucking, all this, all, all of these notes of, it's just not it's just not for me. Yeah. And I know I even say it to when people tell me, I'm like, the truth is, is a lot of podcast companies are looking for followers unless the, unless they have the idea, unless the idea is great, mm-hmm. unless they can slot you in, unless you, what, they're, you're looking, they're what you're looking for at the moment. A lot of times followers is a really big help mm-hmm.
1: because yeah, because that's just the way it fucking works. And it's frustrating is the way it is. sometimes, uh, but I, I, I think that's why it's, like, sometimes – you just got to let shit like that roll off your back and, like, internally, like, have a little conversation with yourself and be like, is this something I am okay with or is it not? And then figure out what that answer is and live yeah. your
0: life in that way. <laughs> that's exact. so that's exactly right. I think, too, like, another thing, like, I think – I do think you're absolutely here's the thing that that compass will grow and grow your moral compass Mm -hmm. or whatever it is your intuition because when I after after all of those after I crossed all those boundaries after I had no boundaries and I felt like enough of myself Mm -hmm. I was like what are my tenants going forward what are my tenants in this business like what am I going to hang my hat on in my life Mm -hmm. and in my business and I have three things kindness fearlessness. Mm -hmm. So like, for me, it's like, I'm going to do it because I'm going to do whatever scares me. If I don't want to do it, it's a no, but if it scares me and I want to do it, I'm going to do it. So kindness, fearlessness, and my moral compass. Mm -hmm. And if it crosses my moral compass, like I don't feel right about it. My gut is like, no, even if it seems like a good opportunity, like for example, I lost my commercial agent, uh, not my commercial agent. I lost my legit. I had a legit agent who did nothing for like a while. Mm -hmm for like a little bit and, um, really wasn't a good fit, but, uh, there was an audition that came my way, um, that I think when I think that I, when I heard about it on air, I, I, I think it would have been fine, but I didn't know it was for a show that didn't come out yet. And I didn't like the sides. Uh, oh no, I didn't like the description. It was of a Jewish character who was very wealthy Mm -hmm. and, uh, sort of ditzy and sort of what I felt like a a stereotype, Mm -hmm that I've seen over and over again. And that isn't my friends. It's not how I grew up. Uh, it was like, went to NYU, came back from birthright. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And I said flat out, I was like, I'm not gonna do this. Uh, I trust uh, that this might not be what it, what it is. Like I don't have the full script, but I did not like the sides. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I didn't understand the tone cause the show didn't exist yet. And I was like, I'm not, I'm gonna pass. Mm-hmm. And that was like a hard moment for me. Like, I was like, I'm going to pass. And my commercial agent dropped me. Uh, sorry, I keep saying commercial agent. My legit agent dropped me. Oh, yeah. He kept saying like, oh, it's not a right fit or whatever. Like, we're not getting traction, which we weren't. But I, I it was right after I said no to that, yeah. that job. Uh, and I was like, well, then that's it. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm, yeah, I am wasn't going to risk. Yeah, I wasn't going to risk uh, doing, uh, going in and reading like there's one thing to say, straighten your hair, which they use curly in the whatever. Like for me, that wasn't a bar- That was a barrier I was willing to be like, okay, fine, I'll fucking straighten my hair, sure. Mm-hmm. Versus like, here, read these sides. You know? Right. Like maybe other people wouldn't have been comfortable straightening their hair. They would have been like, go fuck yourself. You're fuck you. Yeah. Like in that moment I wasn't. But for that, I was like, no. That's a line for me. That's not Jewish representation that I feel comfortable playing. So I'm not going to do it. And that was really difficult. But that in that moment, it was years after I made those choices. It was last year. And I said, yeah, it just didn't sit right. My moral compass. So I, so I said, no, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to. Yeah. Do it.
1: And that that kind of like goes back to the thing that we were talking about before. Like you just have to kind of like take care of yourself a little bit. Like ultimately, you you as a human are a human a human you as a human <laughs> a human a human are not, you're not your career you're not any one gig or the whole amalgamation of your career and therefore like if you let it pull you away from who you really are like and and, and if you let it make you do things that are not really like one of your you know tenants and that's just It's disingenuous and I think ultimately it's going to rot you from the inside
0: out. Well, that's what this business I think a lot of times is. Yeah. I think it's inauthent- it's it's inauthentic very inauthentic, mm-hmm. which I don't have a stomach for. Uh, I have a lot of trouble with it. I, here's the thing. If you're going to be in it, you have to deal with it a little bit. Like you can't be like, I'm not going to play any game. I'm not going to. Yeah. Like eventually you'll have to choose the games you're going to play. You're going to have to choose. But like you can try to do it in a way that feels okay and right to you. Mm-hmm. And when you get those positions- you could hope that when you do have access to, to making change, you know, because once no matter what level you get, whether it's oh, I'm on a boogie, a boogie manja team, mm-hmm. oh, I'm on a UCB team, somebody else wants that position. Yeah. Somebody else wants that access. Oh, I have 5K followers and you have two. Somebody else wants that access. So it's about, well, what are you going to to do in that in your community? Um, what spaces can you create, what avenues can create, what jobs can you try to give to people mm-hmm. when you have that access? Yeah. So to me, because um, what you're going to encounter is a lot of inauthenticity and a lot of panic. Yeah. There is consistent panic in this business. Some warranted, some very warranted, um, and some that is just ego-based. Mm -hmm. Because it's running rampant with narcissists and and (laughs) egomaniacs. Yeah. That's just the truth. It's true.
1: It's fucking true. I mean, I – that's one of the things that's always turned me off and not for – I mean, it's this business everywhere. But I think that's also one of the reasons why I'm very hesitant to really ever move to L.A. Like unless I had a really great opportunity out there already on the table because – I think it's just so much more concentrated there. But like that whole yeah. like sniveling sort of like the the people that like you know a couple years ago you were on the same stand up show together and then all of a sudden they blow up for whatever reason and all of a sudden they like forget your name. And it's just kind of like fuck you. Like I don't know, is it ever yeah. worth treating another person like they're literal garbage? Like,
0: here's the thing. What, what the fuck I are you, you doing? I think you know this. Yeah. I think you know this because you work behind, you work behind Cam. Like, I I think you know this because if you've worked on crew mm-hmm. and you're also in the C, like you're also can be talent, mm-hmm. but if you've been crew, you can see how people treat you. Oh, i I produce a ton <laughs> of people. I've produced a ton of people and then maybe had to have been on a show or like mm-hmm. have been in the same scene. And you can't even believe and I'm like, who do you, th- who do you think, who do you, <laughs> sorry, that's going to be a nightmare for you to edit. You can turn, I'll turn that down. But who do, who do you think you are? Yeah. And as you, as sometimes in the job, right? Like producing people, <laughs> which you and I have done for years mm-hmm. and I have a list but you and I have <laughs> I don't forget you and I have done for years mm-hmm. I'm like oh I'll remember that oh because yeah that's not how you treat people that was what I knew from day one I'm like the PA from the whatever you treat kind we've, yeah, we yeah we've both dealt with dealt with that a thousand times but then like
1: you're treating your producers and your directors like that and your showrunners like that Guess what, bitch? They're not gonna fucking hire you next work. time. Like good luck. Like that's one thousand percent That's the thing that has happened to me so many times where I have so many hired people I knew from uh this the comedy community, people that I'm maybe even considered friends. And then like I'm the person putting my neck out, hiring them for something that I'm producing or directing. And then all of a sudden they're Turning around and treating me like garbage when we're on a stand-up show together the next time, and it's like, cool. I'm gonna remember that. I'm not gonna hire you again.
0: Like, <laughs> it's so wild to me because I understand it comes from a place of insecurity. Yeah, but that's why this. That's why it's like I wanted to. If I could, if I could give a, a shout out, to, uh, give a, a hit, uh, whatever, to anybody who's in entertainment, mm-hmm. make other friends. <laughs> Have other friends that are not comedians, that are not entertainers, yeah. like. My friends from growing up, like, don't know. Like, that was one thing I realized that I, I, I know I have probably said this to you, but just for the world, like, when I let, when I, if I said a name of a spoke a famous spoken word poet to you, you probably wouldn't know who they are. Nope. But when, but back in the day, I was like, oh my God. And it's like, they don't, nobody, half the people don't fucking know you. Like, <laughs> let's just have kindness. Uh-huh. Let's create spaces and energies where people feel like they can enter mm-hmm. because this hierarchy is inevitable, but it's exhausting. Yes. It is, and it's 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 insane because you're gonna be, and then when you're knocked down a peg, which you will inevitably be, Mm -hmm. it's not also fun to watch people dance on people's graves. Like, let's all just like, let's all like, I cannot, I cannot stress, and I'm sure I maybe like, you people can be socially awkward people. Like, I'm not saying like give people a chance. Mm -hmm. But there's, peop- there's definitely things where you're like, this is unnecessary and this business causes such vanity. That people lose themselves mm-hmm. and they lose their kindness and they lose normal respect and I'm like everybody's got to just like go upstate for a minute and take a <laughs> hike like go, relax like go talk to your aunt yeah you know what I mean like let her let her talk to you about uh, uh dancing with the stars for three seconds like come back to earth yeah
1: I think I you know I think that's one of the things I guess it's every community whether it's it, Uh, You know, entertainment, comedians, uh, you know, spoken word, whatever. But it's like you get so bogged down in uh, who everyone else is talking about and who's like the next big thing or who's the thing that everyone's hating today. And it's like no one else in the whole fucking world
0: cares about this at all. Like they don't know. They don't care. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's like perspective. Take your, take your accomplishments. I'm not saying mm-hmm. like, don't diminish them, but if you if, if you if it's going to morph you into being unkind, then it's so boring. Honestly, yeah. it's like, okay. And it's not helpful for, for the team that is inevitably making the thing. Yeah. you Making the thing for you or working the house at UCB or whatever it may be. Yeah. Like everyone can have an off night, but that is just something that has always sort of that's why I think also parameters around this business and just also like the more you're into it and the more you're, you're, you're grounded when you go into those meetings, I think with gatekeepers, you have a better sense. Mm -hmm. You have a better sense of what, again, feels right to you or doesn't. So, um, there's just a lot. And and, and during this pandemic, like, I think everyone's pretty clear. It's like everyone had stuff and then those projects went away. Mm -hmm. Everyone had something, those, so not, not every, it's like, We don't we don't know what's um, guaranteed here. Yeah, that's the thing. Like
1: at the end of the day, any of these hierarchies could go away and be meaningless at any moment. And I think we've learned that this year Mm -hmm. more than anything. Just to bring back the example of for like UCB, that hierarchy that was in there was so important to so many people for such a long time. And then in a week, it was all gone. And that's traumatic, but it's also, like, it should make you reconsider, like, what your
0: priorities are. Yeah. Yeah, because it's – not only is it just, like – these spaces feel so unaccepting. Mm -hmm. They're – and as you get higher, they're even more unaccepting. They're they're heavily white. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, even spaces that we're in or we've been in that – they're, they're male, you -hmm. know, they, they're cis, they're, they're straight. A lot of these spaces, um, they, as you get higher and higher and higher, right. And, you know, very wealthy people in this industry, a lot of nepotism, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a fucking open mic and you can't be kind, what? Yeah. There's already going to be all of this other stuff. Uh, Like I said, eventually you might be a gatekeeper. You, you probably are. You have a show right now at – or you had a show at at, uh, whatever – oh my god, Legion, even though that's not the name of it. Now I'm forgetting the name of what that place is. Easy Lover? Me? Easy Lover. I'm just saying – I'm saying like anyone has a show at Easy Lover, that's a gatekeeper to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. We, were, we had a show at Union Hall. That was a gatekeeper. We were a gatekeeper to people. Yeah. Like, you've become a gatekeeper, like, even when you and I used to do sh- sets, like, sh- uh, run, r- do sketches that were just for us. Mm-hmm. Like, even in those moments, even when it was just a little video for us, we were a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's a responsibility and sometimes you don't have all the power that you want and sometimes you do have all the power and how are you going to try to try to use that i mean there's so many there's really just so many avenues in, into things if, it's really crazy it
1: really is and also like i feel like right now this i mean it's these unprecedented times but i feel like now more than ever it, this year just kind of feels at least to me and like the the career things that i have had come up this year or lack thereof at some moments. Um, It feels like a whitewater rafting, you know, it's like, it's like, I can't steer the boat anywhere that I want to go, but like just fucking try to like go with the flow of like the, the rapids or whatever the fuck, you know, like I've had, like I got to direct a commercial this year in a pandemic and it was really terrifying and great, but it was like, great. I got to direct a commercial I'm writing for an A&E show right now for their YouTube channel, but, like, right. that is something that came out of nowhere that I did not plan on, was not trying to get, just kind of presented itself, and, like, same thing with the VO thing. It's, like, I never imagined doing VO. I never imagined doing a yeah. podcast, and here I am doing these things because I just, like, I have this note above my desk that's called, stay open or else you are screwed. That's what it says. Yeah. And I think yeah. I forget what, I think... Th- this is really lame, but I think it's a quote from You Are a Badass by Jen Cicero. <laughs> Go, God bless. But like stay open or else you are screwed. I was like, yeah, that's fucking so legit because even goes back to that airtime thing. I almost didn't take that job because I really didn't want to be full time in like and I thought it was just working for an app. I didn't really understand what it was going to be where we ended up like creating all these shows. And I yeah. almost did, I almost turned it down. Truly, really, the only reason I took it was because you, Bershad, and Cammy were the team. And I was like, oh, it'll be right. fun to go into an office with those people. And then it ended yeah. up being one of the one of the best jobs I've had in, in as far as comedy and entertainment, but also the first one that kind of like sent me off on this path that I'm on right now, which has been like, you know, progressing slowly over the last couple of
0: years, but still better than I was fucking before that job. So <laughs> I mean, listen, here's the thing. There, you really don't, like you said, you really don't know. Like I, I'm working at forever dog purely because I did a show, uh, years ago that the co-founders of forever dog, two of the co-founders, Alex Ramsey and Joe Cilio, also did mm-hmm. And then they gave me and my duo partner one of the first podcasts when they just started the network. Mm -hmm. And it was, you can't even find it. It doesn't exist anymore. It was a character-based podcast. Then, then they gave us another podcast. Then we stopped doing that podcast when we went solo. And then just a year and a half later, a year later or something, I, well, I reached out, actually I reached out the first time after airtime, I think. Mm -hmm. And I heard nothing. Yeah. I had a meet or I had a meeting with them. I don't remember. It was like September. I had a meeting with them. I was maybe going to work for them. And then it didn't, it didn't, come to fruition. They didn't have something that I could do or that they wanted to use me for. And then I, after Rachel Ray, I just said, fuck it. I'm going to try again. And I know how busy these guys are. Cause now I see the emails that they like, I, yeah. I get it. Like it's the amount of emails that they get. It's, it's wild. Um, and it just so happened. I said, I literally said, I'm, I haven't been hearing from them. I love them. They're great guys. I love them. But I, I was like, okay, if I don't hear, I'll try one more time. And it just so happened that when I emailed them, they were like, yeah, come in. And they hired me. Do you know what I mean? Like, but that was because we were on a show together. Mm -hmm. They thought we were funny. They, they wanted to, we, we, we got to know them. They wanted to, you know what I mean? Like that was for, that was years in the making, um, of just just working mm-hmm. really hard and they knew they knew the work ethic they did see the work ethic of doing 160 videos so it's like mm-hmm. it, it, you really don't know it wasn't like i was like okay well i think i could do podcast producing because i did video producing and i think i could maybe figure out what what they need and it, i was able to just like you're able to figure out audio editing like yeah there's crossover there yeah um so yeah, you really, you really just don't know, and I do think you have to be open. I think the anxiety, you know, I, I'm have anxiety issues, and I think who doesn't, but I, I, you know, and ever since I was little, and honestly, working in this business and working in a more freelance capacity um, over the past few years, after I stopped working um, full time for in higher ed, I stopped, I stopped being as anxious, yeah, because going to a day, uh, the same day job for years and years and years, everything was sort of the same. And that made me more anxious. I was like, what's, you know, cause I was like, well, I know all of this is the same in entertainment. I'm always like, well, tomorrow I could have something or I could have nothing. Mm-hmm. And I have to sort of let that go. I have to just sort of, as long as I like, you know, prepare for it. Like I, before I left my day job, I had a, I had a quite a bit of savings. I, I saved up. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I went back to temping. I worked at a bakery for a bit, you know what I mean? Like we did all these other jobs. Um, but it just sort of made me less anxious because it was sort of like, well, I thought I was gonna get this thing a lot of times and I didn't. Mm-hmm. We were this close and then it died. Mm-hmm. And you just sort of <laughs> stopped getting so attached yeah. to it.
1: Totally. I mean, yeah, it's like that's it's just fucking like letting go. Let live and like,
0: let go and Living, let God. Yeah. The best thing that always relaxes me, and I, I said this to some other friends, and I think that, the, that there's people with, with who don't think this way, but it really makes me feel better. Is like, nobody cares. Nobody's thinking of you. No. I mean, it's and like- I'm like, thank God. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, it's sad in a way, but it's also very freeing. It's like, everyone's too concerned with their own damn selves to actually give a shit about you. It's like that thing that Julian says all the time. Uh, It's a quote from Mad Men where it's like, oh, you know, we'll be like, oh, Uh what do you think about so-and-so? And And he's like, "Hmm,
0: I don't think about them at all. I don't don't think about them at all. I don't think about you at all. It's like Don Draper going, I don't think about you at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So... I, I just sort of like figure it. Yeah, yeah. I'm always just like f- figure out, figure out what how you feel. It's, it's just figure out your own vibe. Yeah. Oh, Tracy, you'll be okay. You'll be. Oh, everyone will be a okay. And that is a Tracy
1: Soren guarantee. You have it there, folks. Everyone will it's be true. fine. And if you're not fine,
0: you get money Pussy. back. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. I, that's what I've been saying over the. You just you just got a, oh, the voice. Oopsy. The gross voice. I the gross voice. I. Say to my boyfriend, I go, Oussie, <laughs> not good. It's disgusting. disgusting. Does he
1: throw <laughs> up
0: all over the house when you say that? That's how I, that's the, yeah, <laughs> like no one, I never, now, now it's on a podcast. I go, Oussie, Oussie, I made Ussie. <laughs> think I can do VO now?
1: Yeah. With that voice. With only that voice. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you very much for joining me. I feel like we've been talking for quite a while. Um, so, you know, I'll wrap this up, but. I this is like such a great conversation and the the beautiful thing about this too is we've had this conversation just like at a bar together
0: probably a hundred times so like (laughs) oh yeah and that's what I miss that's what I miss (laughs) me too fucking bar with a friend fucking going to a bar with you your birthday was like the last I know here we are um do you have anything you'd like to promote or plug? <laughs> hey, listen to the Forever Dog Podcast Network. I mean, there's a lot of really good, good content mm-hmm. out there. I produce a, uh, quite a number of shows um, and just work, you know, full time for the company. <laughs> um, and I'll always, I'll always push uh, beyond with Mike Kelton because it was yes, my little, little baby uh, series and um, season two it's still, all of it is like, because it's a a docu-series anthology, it like still is very um, present. It's not like a weekly show. It's like standalone Uh, seasons. Yeah, standalone seasons. So, um, but, but all the shows on Forever Dog are just, you know, we work We work super hard in the PNDM. You do work hard in the PNDM To make some good uh, podcasting. So feel free to check out the network. There's a, something for everybody. Please do
1: check out Forever Dog. They have so many good shows. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Anne. Thanks, Trace. <laughs> Right. Thank you Tracy for a fucking phenomenal conversation on what is now the very first episode of You Got to Have a Podcast. Please check out her work on the Forever Dog Comedy Podcast Network. They have some really awesome funny shows over there and Tracy pours her heart and soul into them. As for me and this podcast, well, new episodes will be dropping every Tuesday and I have some great guests coming up joining me every week for more conversations just like this. So, I hope you join me on this little chat journey and we'll get into it. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.